Beautiful. All right, here we go. Today's daf is daf pei aleph, page 81 in the Heligim Masechus Chubas. We got up to daf pei aleph, but we're going to go back to the bottom of Payman Bays and restart the sugya. All right, so we, there was a Mishnah on Payamad Bays, a very long Mishnah that took up about half the Yomud. On the bottom of Payamad Bays, we started the Gemara, five lines from the bottom, and we had a fascinating Shaila which surrounds a Shomeris Yavam, a Yavama waiting for Yibam to be done, who dies, and we wanted to know who's responsible to pay for her burial. Does it come from the Yavam slash deceased husband's estate, or is it the responsibility of her family? And the Gemara will explain why, uh, what exactly the Shaila is about. Why I would assume it's one over the other. So, here we go. Ibai Lahu, five lines to the bottom of Payamad Bez. They ask a question searching for information. Shemeres Yavam Shemesa. You have a Shemeres Yavam who passes away. Mi Kaivra, who's obligated to pay for her burial. Yarshea Bal Kavrila. Do we say that it is the husband's side of the family that's responsible to pay for the burial? Because they inherit the Ksuba. And as we learned, a husband's responsible to pay for his wife's burial as a trade-off for Ksuba. As a trade-off for Ksuba. All right? The Nixayt Tzayim Barzal that she's going to bring in. And since the Ksuba hasn't yet been paid, so the same way, because she's a Shemeres Yavam, so the same way the husband would have had to pay for her burial, his estate has to pay for her burial. Or perhaps Yarshihav Kavrila, or maybe her side of the family, her father, has to pay, has to pay for her burial. Why? Because the bottom line is, any property that she brings in with her to the marriage, like her Nixay Malug, Nixay Tzayim Barzal, when she dies all goes back to them. And that's also written into the Ksuba, right? That anything she brings in goes back. So since her family is going to inherit that from her, maybe they should be the ones responsible to pay for her burial. Azai is the Shiloh. That's the question. Answer the Gemara. Amar of Amram. Rav Amram says, Tashma, come and listen. Titani, we learned in the Brisa. Shemeres, Yavim Shemesa. If you have Shemeres, Yavim, that dies, we now turn to today's daf. Yersheho, Yersheik, Suvosach, Hayam, Bekvurasa. All right? Her... Her uh, inheritors, who's considered her inheritors? Those that are still responsible and inherit the rights to the Ksuba are the ones who pay for the burial. Bottom line, answers the Gemara, who pays for the burial? The husband's side of the family. Amar Abaye, and this is where we got up to yesterday. So here we go, Abaye says, This halacha that the husband's estate slash Yavam has to pay for her burial is actually learnt out from a Mishnah. All right, we'll support it with Tanayim. We said that a widow is fed, is supported, <coughs> excuse me, is supported with the Nechassim, with the property of the inheritors of the orphans, and, and they get her Maisiyadayim. So here, here's what happens. You have a husband that passes away. The wife hasn't yet collected her Ksuba. So the family, the children of the husband are going to have to continue to feed her. However, any income that she earns go to them, similar to like if her husband would have been alive. They don't need to pay for her burial. However, those who inherit her ksuba, depending on who inherits the ksuba, they're going to be responsible to pay for her burial. Where do you have a widow where we say, oh, some people are going to pay for their inheritance and some people, some are going to have to pay for the burial and some won't. What does that mean? What's the case of Amana who's got two different sets of inheritors. Why is there two sets of inheritors? Because her family is going to inherit all the property she brought into the marriage that she's now getting back. But her uh, her husband's side of the family is inheriting the ksuba itself because that ksuba is going to continue 
to the Yavam. And here, what do we say in such a case where there's two sets of inheritors? Who's the one, which set of inheritors are going to ultimately pay for her burial? The ones that have the Ksuba, i.e. the Yavam and the husband's estate. That is how Abaye is proving this halacha that we learned on the bottom of Amr Beis, the halacha of Rav Amram, that the, the Yavam pays for it. Omar Rava. So, as happens very often, Abaye and Rava, two very, very close friends who love to see things differently. And that is the, the tremendous chesed that the Rabbani Shalom gave us. In the same era, you had these two great Gedalim who loved each other to pieces, but saw things so differently and therefore were able to clarify things for each other. And Mamish bring about the MS La'amitai, bring the truth down to the, uh, to the most rawest form on our behalf. So Amar Rava, Rava says, Tabaye, one second. The Lema Ach, let the brother say, who's the brother? Let the Shimon, the Yavam say, Ani Yairish, I am inheriting, Ishtai, Ein Ani Kaiber. I'm, I'm willing to inherit the property, but I don't want to inherit the responsibility to bury her. Okay? So he's going to say like this. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> says Rav Atabaye, he says, if the husband's estate is responsible ultimately for her ksuba and to pay for her burial, say, let the Yavam say, you know what, I'm going to be Michael on the inheritance of the ksuba and I'll take everything else. But I, I, I don't want to take, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I don't want to inherit the, that part of my brother's responsibility. I just want to inherit my brother. Amalei Abai, Abai says, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Yeah, you can't, you can't stand on both sides of the fence. We're going to come at him with like a memon of shach, with an either way. We're coming at him from both sides. If you're planning on inheriting your brother, well, you know what comes along with that? You're obligated to pay for his wife's burial. And if you're not interested in paying for the wife's burial, then you're going to have to pay up for her ksuba. It's, it's one or the other. You, you can't do both. So Rav says back to Abai, what do you mean? I, I, I'm in line with you, but let me explain to you what's bothering me. This is what I mean to say. Uh, what, what the Yavan wants to say is, First of all, I'm inheriting my brother, and I don't plan on, uh, and I don't plan on burying his wife. And if you're going to tell me, I'm responsible to bury his wife, because of I'm now holding on to the Ksuba, the Ksuba, the Gavis Mikhaim. The ksuva is not meant to be collected during his lifetime. Okay. Now, let's explain this logic. This is a beautiful logic. And let's talk like this. I want to pause for a minute and get this beautiful clarity because we're really going to understand what it says in the ksuva. What does it mean to, to collect it in the brother's lifetime? There's two ways to collect the ksuva. Husband's death and divorce. So how can a brother say, you know, you don't collect the ksuba in my brother's lifetime? That's not true. They would have gotten divorced. What did she got a ksuba? Absolutely. So what's going on here? So here's the deal. In a ksuba, the, if you recall, the, the wording is that when our marriage ends, okay, at any time that our marriage ends and you become permitted to marry everybody else, then you collect your ksuba. At any stage in time, any point in time, 
where she becomes permitted to marry anybody else, that's when she's entitled to collect her ksuba. Let's take the case of a Yavama. Can she marry anybody else after her husband dies? No. She's stuck with the brother. So this is fascinating. You have a dead husband. They're not divorced. Yet, what's happening in this unique case is, says the Yavam, the Ksuba can't be collected on her part. Because all my brother committed to her is that the Ksuba is going to be paid up when she becomes permitted to pay anybody else. When she becomes permitted to marry anybody else. And that's never happened. So says Ravat this is what the Yavam wants to Taina. The other wants to say, I'm inheriting my brother. Ah, as far as the ksuba is concerned, there ain't no ksuba. Because like nitna ksuba, the ksuba was never, the, the kavant was never given over to her to be collected during the lifetime of my brother. Okay, and therefore I have no obligation to pay for her ksuba, and I have no obligation to pay for her burial. Says Abaye back to Rava, one second. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, true, true. Well, well, he can't do yibum now. She died. What's that? He can't do yibum now. She died. She died. We want to know who's paying for her burial. Well, so the yeah. So what? What he wants to say is like this. He wants to say that that um, I'm inheriting my brother. I'm inheriting the. Ksuba obligations as well. She's not getting a Ksuba. She's dead. So we want to tell him, in place of you not paying the Ksuba, pay for her burial. And he wants to say, her Ksuba is not meant to be paid anyway. I understand. I understand that he needs to tell them if he intends to do the Yibum or not. I mean... He can't. She died. She died. So therefore, he's out of the picture. But maybe he should pay for her burial. But he's not out of the picture because when husband number one died, when his older brother died, yeah. so he inherited the Ksuba obligation. Right. In the Ksuba obligation, it says you're responsible to pay for the wife's burial. That's part of it. You, right? you, that, that's part of the Ksuba obligation. Right. He wants to say there's no ksuba obligation on me because the only time you have a ksuba obligation is when she becomes permitted to marry anybody else. She died as a Shemeris Yavam. She was never able to marry anybody else. So I don't need to pay for her burial. I mean, you're saying that she died like the next day. I mean... It'll... Okay. Anytime. Anytime well, before the Yavam. If, if she died a week, if she died a week, two weeks later, three weeks later, he had time to do Yavam. And therefore, he had, a, he had an obligation. So therefore, he missed the boat. You mean because he, uh, he slept his feet? Yeah. Maybe time he slept his feet. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. I hear, I hear, I hear you, Svar. Says the Gemara, Man, Shamas laid this to Majish Kuva. Who are we talking about? Who, who we, um, which time are we following? Who makes a drasha? That says that it's all dependent on Ksuba. It is Beishamai. It's the opinion of Beishamai. Beishamina lehu lebeishamai de Amri. Star roi mit legavos kegavoi dami. And we know Beishamai also holds that a star that's meant to be that that star that is waiting to be collected 
It's as if it's already collected. Listen to this svara. Beishamai says like this. Beishamai says that, remember, we learned that when a ksuba is owed to a woman, it's as if it's already collected. She has a lien on the property. Once you have a lien on the property, says Beishamai, it's as if you're collected already. Okay? You have rights to titna. Now, how do you know that's the opinion? That if you have a lien on a, on a loan, on a debt, it's as if it's collected. It's not we learned in the Mishnah. In the case of a sota, a wayward wife, their husband died before she was, had the chance to drink, so she can't drink anymore. Right? A husband has to bring her, and he can't bring her. He's six feet under. They're able to collect their ksuba as if it's a regular husband that passed away, and they don't drink the water. Mesel says, I don't like ksuba. You could choose. Either drink or collect the ksuba. Says Gemara, what do you mean? Either drink? Certainly not. She's not able to drink. It, doesn't, it won't even work. The Torah says it won't work. The Torah says the man's got to bring his wife. That's not possible. So what does Mesel mean? Or have her drink or have her collect the ksuba? Mesel says, no, there's no ksuba. You know why? Because she can't drink. Now think about the scenario. You have a saita. We don't know if she's worthy of collecting a ksuba, and then her husband dies. Beishamai says she gets it. It's as if she's able to remove property from her husband's estate out of a suffolk. Because we don't know if she's, it's a suffolk, the whole thing's in a doubt until she actually drinks. Still, her doubt is going to allow her to collect her ksuba. Bishol says, nope, no ksuba. Can't do that. Now, says the Gemara, Beishamai says, you get a ksuba, and there's no drinking. Why? Ask the Gemara our question. Vamai, why does she allow, why is a sota who hasn't yet drunk, but her husband dies? Why is she allowed to collect her ksuba? Shvekahu. Because it's a savik. Savik's an eye, savik lies not. We don't know whether she committed adultery or not. And a savik is coming and removing from a certain. Now, what's the savik and the certain? So, what we're saying is like this there's a savik of the wife losing her ksuba if she was mezana. How could she come and remove it from her husband's estate? He certainly has the money. And what, why is Beishamai allowing to collect the ksuba? Says the Gemara, beautiful. Ready? Why? You know why? Because Savri Beishamai, Beishamai holds, Shtar Beishamai says, it's not in the husband's estate. You know whose estate it's in? At every time a woman's married, all properties that are leaned to the ksuba are already considered collected. It's considered hers already. She just can't take it until the husband dies or they get divorced. But it's always as if she has an element of ownership over it. And therefore, if let's say the husband dies before she's able to drink, she's able to get her ksuba. I am Answers the Gemara. She's not pulling it out of the husband's estate. It's already under her jurisdiction. She had a lien on it the whole time. When you have a lien on something, Beishamai holds it, in a sense, it's already yours. Since in a sense it was already hers, now that her husband dies with a suffix, you can't take it away from her and say, oh, maybe you were Mazana. She says, yeah, maybe I was Mazana, but this is mine. It's already considered collected. I have a lien on it. And, you can't, and therefore you're not, you're not allowed to take it away. Says the Gemara... Now we have a problem because remember it says in the Ksuba that you're only allowed to collect the Ksuba when you become uh, permitted to marry somebody else. This never happened because she was a Shemeris Yavam and a Shemeris Yavam is never allowed to marry somebody else. 
It's a good time. Rabashi, Rabashi says, Yavam nami ka'acher dami. No, marry somebody else means even the Yavam. Even the brother is considered somebody else. In other words, in order for the Ksuba to say, you can only collect the Ksuba, you can collect the Ksuba when you're permitted to marry. It doesn't mean the, it doesn't mean the whole world. It means even an individual person. So my brother, you're allowed to marry, that's okay. Gvaldik. Sholach le Rav Labaye Barav, Shmaya Barzeiro. Rav said the Shayot Abaye. With Rav Shmaya Barzeiro. He was the one who delivered the following comment. Umin nitna ksuba legavis michayim. Is a ksuba ever considered to be collected even during the Yavam's lifetime? Vatana gunat the Raisa. Rabbi Abba, Imir Rav Abba says, Shalti yes sumchis, ayes sumchis, arayt sashim karminak sayaviv. If let's say the Yavam, who hasn't done, uh, he hasn't done Yibam yet. So he's the, the, the um, Yavama is still waiting. And I'm sorry. Haraitze Sheyimkar Benichsei Aviv. Ketzad Hu Aise. Ah, no, he, they, did, they did Yibam already. They did Yibam already. All right? So now the brother wants to, the, the Shimon wants to sell his deceased brother's property. How could he do that? What should he do under those circumstances that will make it a, it'll make it a valid sale? All right. Now, what's the issue? The issue is that the wife, who was a Yavama, has a lien on all that property. Her ksuba is a lien on all that property, and her ksuba is not paid up if, the, if Shimon does Yibam on her. So how could Shimon ever sell that property? So what should he do? So it says like this, Im kayinu, if they are kaihanim, okay, both Shimon and Reuben are kaihanim, yase su'uda v'yifayis. You know what he could do? Uh, um, <laughs> flatter her. Buy her a nice present. Get her in a good mood. Okay? And uh, once she's in a good mood, you'll say, you know, uh, you know, there, there's some land I think it's smart for us to sell. Is Would that be okay? Would that be okay? And, uh, you know, that's your only hope. In other words, you got to get her agreement. And the Gemara has given us an Eitzah Taiva how to get her agreement. Put her in a good mood. All right? Put her in a good mood. Reminds me of a joke. There's a guy in a, in a, there's a, guy in a country club. He's in the locker room. And uh, the phone rings. Cell phone rings. He picks up the phone. He says, Hello? And the woman at the other end says, oh, hi, honey. Um, you know, I was just at the car dealer and the, uh, at, you know, selling uh, BMWs and the latest uh, BMW SUV just came out. It's only $160,000. It's got a few extra safety features. You know, I was wondering, you know, since we got a nice size uh, tax return, maybe we could. He says, sure, no problem. No problem. Absolutely. Enjoy. You, you know, enjoy. She says, you know, while we're at it, I was, I was uh, driving through the neighborhood. And, you know, we've always wanted to uh, upgrade our house. And I found, you know, right now we're living in a four-bedroom. I found an 11-bedroom. And it'll be so nice. The grandkids could come over. It's only going to be another $2.2 million, And I, I already spoke to the real estate agent. And I was wondering if we can go ahead with it. And he says, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. I, I think you have to go ahead. I think, I think you, have, you have to go ahead. He says, oh, honey, you're the best. And she hangs up. Fine. The guy picks up the phone. And he's like, anybody lose a cell phone? 
<laughs> Found the phone on the bench. All right. <laughs> so here we go. So what does it say? You want to sell the property? You want to do it? Put it in a good mood. Figure it out. You know, you figure out ways to get it done. Okay. So Yase Suda Viafayis. Make a Suda and Viafayis and make her happy. Im Yisrael who, and if he's Yisrael, so here's what you could do. You, you could pull shtick. Ready? Machzir beget the yachzir. Says the Gemara like this. Yachzir beget means divorce her, give her a get. Once you pay her her ksuba, all the other land is no longer indebted to her. And then you could take her back. You could remarry her. Gavaldik. Says the Gemara, you hit us. So now it's no longer indebted. Says the Gemara, top bumbled bays. You're going to tell me that Aksuba is meant to be collected during the lifetime of the Yavamba. So why are we saying divorce her and take her back? Just set aside land that's valued to the Aksuba. And then you, you could sell the rest. What's the problem? Says But that's not going to work according to your reasoning. That uh, Aksuba is not meant to be collected during the lifetime. Why don't you point out from our Mishnah, you're not allowed to say to your wife, you know, behold, your ksuba is on your table. Remember, we had that in the Mishnah earlier, where a husband is not allowed to say to his wife, um, you know, I know all my land is Meshubah to you, but I'm going to set aside a specific parcel of land, and I'm going to make it that only, that's, that's indebted to you. You're not allowed to do that. Says the Gemara, you're not allowed to say, here's your ksuva lying on the table, meaning put a, speci- a lien on a specific property. Rather, all of the property is, has a lien on it from her ksuba. So why don't we say, set aside money for the ksuba. Uh, so, so, um, so yeah, you, you can't set aside money for the ksuba. And you see from here, you cannot pay off a ksuba while the ovum's around. Says the Gemara, no, hasa meitza tevika over here, the mission is giving us an Eitzah Taifa. What's an Eitzah? Our mission was not teaching us a halacha. Our mission was giving us good advice. What's the good advice? Like this. You're not, when it says, you cannot do hareik suvasech munachas leich ala shulchan, that not to put on the table, it's not that it won't work. If a person does that, it would work. We know we're going to say to him, it's a bad business move to do that. To put her on a specific property is a bad business move. You know Why? Because what happens if something happens to that property? What happens if something happens to this value that you set aside specifically for her? You know what's going to happen? You're going to have to write a whole new ksuba. Who wants to go through that process? You understand? If all my property is indebted to her, so the market goes up, the market goes down. It's fine. But if I have a specific value, diamond, property, whatever, and that thing loses its value, so now my whole ksuba is messed up, I'm going to have to go back and write a whole new ksuba. And if you're not going to learn that our Mishnah is, is, is really means just an that. Um, a, a regular person is not allowed to say your, your ksuba is laying on the table. But all of a person's property is indebted, has a lien to the ksuba of his wife. If he wants to sell anything, tell me that a husband is not allowed to sell anything, in a, you know, is not allowed to sell any of his property in his wife's lifetime. How could he ever sell real estate? It must be just an eitzatayv. It's an eitzatayv, not to put 
the, the lien on specific property because then you might have to write a nuksula. Fine. So here also, it's teaching me just good advice. Don't put the lien on specific property. Says the Gemara, Ella de Rabbi Abba Kasha. According to Rabbi Abba, according to Rabbi Abba, who says that you could divorce your wife and then remarry her and you'll no longer have, she'll no longer have a lien on the property. So we, we still have a question. Rav Abba will agree not to do this because of Eva. What does Eva mean? This is a beautiful, beautiful concept within marriage. And that's like this. You get married and you say to your wife in the Ksuba, you know, I have a, um, a painting in a safe somewhere that if and when we ever get divorced, that's going to be your ksuba. Says Rav Abba, terrible idea. Because throughout your marriage, your wife knows there's something out there in the world that's a transaction for her. It's a transaction for her. A woman doesn't want to feel like she's a collateral for something else. So says Rav Abba, for you to say to your wife, this specific piece of land, this specific painting, this specific diamond is what you're going to get when we get divorced or if we get divorced. Terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. In the wife's mind, there's Ava. She's always waiting for, in her mind, psychologically, there's always this ability for this, whatever it is, to be a transaction for her. So instead, says Rabbi, what do you do? If and when we get divorced, whatever value we have access to, whatever value we own will go to you. But to have something specific in mind and written out, he says, that, that's something you're, you, uh, you should not do because of Ava. It's going to lead to a lack of, it's going to lead to a shalom bias issue in the marriage. Okay. Now the Gemara tells us a story. Oh, God, there was a person, that he became a Yavam, a woman, uh, his sister-in-law felt him in Pumpadisa, Bayachula, and her brother came, the Misalallah, Begita Minei. And he wanted to passel up the Yibam by giving her a get. I'll explain in a minute what this guy did. It is brilliant. Omar Lay, so the older brother doesn't want him to do this. He says to him, My Daitech, what are you thinking? You know what? I, I, you know, let's pause. I'm going to explain the Chap, and then we'll read the story. Listen to what happens. This is Gvaldik. It's murdered. Ruvain dies childless. He's got two younger brothers, Shimon and Levi. Who does the Yibum? Shimon, right? Shimon's got first dibs on Yibum. He's older. Shimon says, yeah, I'll do Yibum. What happens when you do Yibum on the wife? You inherit your brother's estate. Levi realizes if his brother does Yibum, he ain't getting nothing. See, if no Yibum's done, Shimon and Levi split Reuven's estate. If Reuven left behind $10 million and no Yibum is done, they each get $5 million. If Shimon does Yibum, Levi's left hanging with nothing. So Levi's not happy about this. He wants to get some cash. You hear? Murdig. So you know what he does? 
he's, he decides, before my brother does Yivam, I'm going to go, and as we learned in Yavamas, I'm going to give a get, I'm going to hand a get to my wife's Yavama, and as we learned, that once any of the brothers gives a get to the Yavama, it's Asr Midrabanan for anyone to do Yibum, and you can only do Chalitza, it's the only option. Murder. So that's Levi's Chab. Levi says, I'm going to go right and get to the Yavama, and this way I'll also inherit my brother's estate. All right? Beauty. It's not Levi's turn. You're right. Do whatever he wants to do first. Right? Shimon does have Shimon does have the option, but he's not he hasn't done it yet. But he has to he has to turn it down. No. No. No, we learned in Yavamas. We learned in Yavamas that if a younger brother jumps the line, even though he did something wrong, it's valid. She becomes a Yavama to all the brothers. That's not right. That's what happens. So this is Levi's Chap. This lady's chap, Merdik. So now with that chap, let's see the story. Shimon's going to try to protect himself. Shimon doesn't want Levi giving a get to get the money. Okay, now why doesn't he want Levi to get the money? Two, two possible reasons. Maybe he just wants the mitzvah. Maybe he wants the mitzvah. Or he wants the wife and he's also going to inherit the estate. So how's Shimon going to protect himself from Levi uh, handing uh, the Yavama a get. So here's what happened. Let's start the story again. Hogavar, there was a fellow. We'll call him Shimon. And Levi, his younger brother, wanted to give her a get to mess the whole thing up so he could also inherit the brother's property. Omar says, so Shimon, the older brother, says to his baby brother, My daitech, what are you thinking? Mishum nichsei, are you thinking because you're, you, you want some of our brother's nechassim, some of our brother's possessions? I'll split it with you anyway. I want to marry her, but I'll split the money with you. Okay? He agrees to give him, uh, to give him, part of the, to give him half the estate. Omar Rabbi says, Lisbon, since the Rabbanon say, that a Yavam Shimon is not able to sell any of the property at the time of Yavam. You know what happens? Levi gets nothing. You know why? Shimon could have signed a document all day, but it was a document about property that's not his. I can't sign over to you property that's not mine. It belongs to Reuven. If Shimon has no rights to sell it, it's not his. She has no, go back to Levi. You sold it to me. Sold what to you? Somebody else's property? It's not valid. Even though had a value of one mana, you're not to sell it. Because all hundred have a lien, are leaned to her ksuba. Whenever the Chum say you're not to sell something, does that mean if you did it, it's not valid? That's not, maybe you shouldn't have done it, but it doesn't mean it's always not valid. After the fact, it's not. We learned in the Mishnah. Let's say, right, this is going back to the Mishnah we had uh, in the previous parak, where you had a woman 
who's an Arusa, she's married, and then she inherits property as an Arusa. Bishamai says she could sell it. She has full rights to sell it because she's still an Arusa. Bishol says she cannot. But even though she wasn't allowed to, she shouldn't have, according to Basilo. But Basil agrees that if she did sell it, it would be valid. So same thing over here. Even though we're saying that uh, you're not allowed to sell, uh, her, uh, you're not allowed to sell uh, the property, we should say if the husband did sell it, it should be a valid sale. Okay, so that was Abai's response to Rabbi Yosef. So now they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. Back to our Pumpadisa story. You have in Pumpadisa Shimon selling half his stuff to Levi in order to be able to do Yibam. And now we don't know how to handle this. Do we say it's a valid sale and Levi gets half the property? Or could Shimon laugh in his face and say, I still get everything because I sold you property that wasn't mine? What do you do? So Shachula Kameh Dravchinabar Papi. They sent the Shaila to Rav Papi, Shocha Kidr Rav Yosef, and he said the halacha is like Rav Yosef. It's not a valid sale. Shimon holds on to it. Amar Abai, Abai says, Otur Rav Chinebar Papi, Kifei Talolai. So Abai says, all right, very nice. You sent the Shaila to Chinebar Papi. Well, the same way I argued on my Rebbe Rav Yosef and challenged him, I'm, I'm going to challenge Chinebar Papi and say, hey, what, what are you thinking? Uh, how can you say it's not a valid sale? Maybe you shouldn't have done it, but it should be valid. All right. So they, in other words, Abai is asking for bigger shoulders and a reason why the sale shouldn't be valid. Don't just tell me the halacha. I want to know why. And he said, Allah is like Abai. That the sale is valid. After the fact, he shouldn't have, but after the fact, it's valid. The Yomar Bar Rabbi Yosef, Taima Achrina Shulchuli. But he said, even though I passed him like Abaye, he said, if, another, if a reason was given, let me know about it. But his Hashkafa Rishayna, his initial thought process was that it would be a valid sale. Nafak Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef checked, uh, Rabbi Yosef went, duck, duck, it's like from the word diktuk. He went into the nitty gritty of the matter. The Eshkach, and he found the Tanya a following Brisa. Haresha Haya Naisa Ba'achiv. If you have somebody who's Naisha, I'm sorry, Naisha Ba'achiv, person who has a loan out for his brother, right? He's pressuring his brother to pay back a loan. Ruvain lent $200 to Shimon, and he wants the money back. Umes, the Hiniach Shemeres Yavam. Okay. So he dies. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Ruvain, who lent the money, dies. And now his wife falls in Yibum to Shimon. The same brother who owes him $200. The brother Shimon, who owes the 200 bucks to Ruvain, now is the Yavam of Ruvain's Rebetzin, Ruvain's widow. Shimon is not allowed to say, listen, since I just inherited my brother's estate, I don't got to pay back any money. I'm going to do Yibam on the, on the Yavama. So my $200 loan is out the window. You can't say that. Ella, rather, might see him a Yavam. Bezdin, whoever it is, will force the Yavam to pay. The Yikach Bahem Karka. And they're going to buy land for the wife, for the widow, 
to make it nechsem alug. For who I chalper, and he'll get the produce of it. Okay. So now, what do you see from here? That um, if he were to the, the same way he's responsible to pay back the two hundred, so too if a yavam were to sell his brother's property when it's not yet his, it shouldn't be valid. Why? Again, the same way we Shimon cannot say, "Oh, I just inherited." $200. I don't need to pay back. We say, no, no, no. You got to pay. So too, when the Yavam sells the property as he, in Ibum, for example, Shimon selling to Levi, his baby brother, I'll give you half. It's not valid. Says the grace, if you see from here, you can't sell stuff that's not yours. Shimon's the Yavam, it's not his. If it would be his, then why in this other price are we telling him to pay back the $200? It's his. For the fact that we're obligated to pay back the money through Reigns Estate is a proof that while you're a Yavam, it's not yours. If it's not yours, who are you to sell half the estate to Levi? It's not a valid sale. Maybe the Chacham are just giving him an Eitzat Taiva. Yeah? It's a taiva. Sell your land. How do you know they're doing this? They're selling the land for Nechzei Malug for her. They were saying, sell your property and get the produce. Maybe it's for him. So Amarle, he says, no. Tana, Tani Maitzian. We say that we're Maitzian. Okay? It means we're, we're, we're pulling it from him. And you're saying, we're doing it. You don't pull somebody. You don't have to pull somebody. You'd be Maitzi. Take something from him. And then, but you're doing it for his benefit. If it's for his benefit, you don't need to be Maitzian it from him. In fact, the expression of Maitzian, it seems to imply that it's for her. Fine. So you see from here, a Yavam does not have ownership over the, over the property. So what happened? That you know what? Very nice, you have a brisa, but that brisa was not accepted in the base Medrash Lahalacha. A lot of things were taught by Tanoim. Some of them were included in the halacha lamaisa, some weren't. But he says that, you know, you can't bring a proof from this brisa. This brisa was not accepted in the yeshiva. Why not? My timer. What's the reason we didn't accept the brisa? If you're going to say, because, you know, uh, we're, we're dealing with movable objects, and in general, ksuba only has a lien on real property. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have a lien on movable property. That, that's not everybody's opinion. Rav Meir holds that there's a sheep on Metaltalin too. Maybe the Tanner Zimbayru says that Metaltalin is Meshubat Luxuva. I'd rather get and say the reason why I wasn't accepted in the yeshiva is because the Yavam could say to her, Atlav Balas Devarim Didiat, you're, you know, uh, that uh, I didn't borrow money from you. Right? What's the case of the Brysa? Ruvain had lent, Shimon to mon- uh, had lent money to Shimon, and then Ruvain dies childless. And now his Yavama is falling to Shimon. We said to Shimon, no, 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 you got to pay. You got to pay back the money to, to the widow. Maybe it's because the Yavama can say to her, right? And then what do you do? You buy land, then he gets the produce. Because Eder, you're not, you're, you're, you're not the uh, creditor over here. I borrowed money from your brother, not from you. And therefore, your Ksubalin has nothing to do with the loan. You have no access to the loan. Okay? Top of tomorrow's daf. Tomer of Nasani. But if you want to use that piece of logic, 
Well, maybe we say we're following the logic of Rav Nassim. The Amar of the Tanya learned to Rav Nassim. Rav Nassim, Rav Nassim says, "Binayin the Noishei bechaberim money." How do you know that if you have uh, Reuven? Now we're talking about not a brother, but a, a friend. You have Yankul and Beryl. Yankul lends money to Beryl, okay, and he has a claim against him. Bechaberim bechaberim, and then Beryl lends money to Shmerel. And you know now Shmerel owes Beryl money. This is the famous Shibuda de Rav Nassim, where if A lends money to B and B lends money to C, A can go straight to C to collect the money. Um, he gives the Asham whoever's whoever's obligated. Okay. So to over here we'll say that the Yavama could collect from the Yavam. So what happened is like this: Ruvain lent money to Shimon. Ruvain dies, childless. Ruvain's Rebetzin, his widow, now falls to Shimon. Shimon could walk over to the widow and say, hey, you, you're, you didn't lend me money. She's going to say, okay, fine. I didn't lend you money. But let me tell you something. You owe money to my ex-husband. My ex-husband owes money to me in my ksuba. So pay me up. Shibuda Derev I'm a... I'm a, she says... My deceased husband was B. He now owes me money. You owe money to him. I'm coming to you to collect it. Ella, so we're trying to find out what's the problem with the Bryce. It says Gemara, Ella, Ashkan, Tana, Damachmer, Trey, Chumri, Buxuvasa. The reason why we're not going to follow this, mission, this Bryce is because there's no Tana who, who holds to be Machmer twice in Aksuba, Ella, Ikra, Meir, Ikra, Banan. Our Tana is either going to hold uh, strict, either according to the opinion of Reb Meir, or the opinion of the Rabbanan. Now the Chumra over here is both that we're, we're including Metaltolin in the Shibud, and also the, uh, the extra Shibud, the extra, you know, the extra collection of Reb Nassim. And we're not going to have a, a Brisa, in order for this Brisa to work out, you need two Chumras. Chumra of Reb Meir, Chumra of Reb Nassim. No, well, we're not going to accept a Brisa that's got these Chumras when it comes to Ksuba. Omar Rava, and we'll stop here. Rava says, This is Taka why I heard Abaye say that this Brisa was not taught in the yeshiva. I wasn't know why. I didn't know why it wasn't taught in yeshiva, but now I do know why. And what's the bottom? What's the bottom line? Why wasn't this Brisa taught in yeshiva and accepted al pi Because it's dealing with ksuba, and in by ksuba, in order for this Brisa to make sense, you have to follow Rav Meir's chumra. You have to follow Rav Nassim's chumra. And we don't accept two chumras when it comes to Hilchas Ksuba. So we never followed this brysa. Hence, Rabbi Yosef does not have a proof as to what the halacha is. We'll hold it here. Besham will pick up tomorrow with Hahu Gavra. A good year, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful year. To a year of tremendous bracha.